I invite you to stand now as I read aloud uh, the text for this morning's message. John's Gospel, chapter 19, beginning in verse 23. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who will get it. This was to fulfill what the scripture says, they divided my clothes among themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. And that is what the soldiers did. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his own home. After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said in order to fulfill the scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. During this Lenten sermon series, uh, we have been looking at uh, the different aspects of the Jesus way and our invitation to follow. Uh, Jeannie McGowan launched us beautifully uh, with the theme of Jesus weeping. And then uh, Hannah did a great job helping us us understand uh, Jesus uh, being anointed with oil as Jesus was prioritizing for us what's important. Jesus agonizing. Jesus serving as he washed disciples' feet. Last week, around the, the last supper table, Jesus warning, one of you will betray me. And this morning... To conclude this Lenten series on this Palm Sunday, we think together about Jesus finishing as he was hanging on the cross and cried out, it is finished. What's it mean that Jesus finished, Jesus finishing, and what's it mean for him, what's it mean for us? Now, finishing is important. Starting is one thing, but finishing is another. Uh, When our children were small, Janet and I would assign the chore to them of cleaning their rooms, And after a little while, they would appear in the living room with big smiles. It's finished. And we would go and inspect. And we discovered that our definition of being finished and their definition of being finished were not the same. Have you noticed that about uh, children and cleaning their rooms? Uh, We discovered it was a little different. Finishing is important. Jesus cried out from the cross, it is finished. In Greek, it's one word, tetelestai. One word, and I don't believe it was a cry of despair, a cry of, of giving up, like, I'm finished, I'm washed up, this has not worked. It was a cry of triumph, it is finished, tetelestai. And it's an important concept because, for one thing, John mention, mentions it twice. And usually when a Bible uh, writer, someone writing inspired text, mentions something more than once, That's that writer's way of saying it's important because in verse 28, he says, Now when Jesus knew that all was finished, 
he goes ahead and tells about the wine being offered on the sponge, and Jesus says, it is finished. John mentions it twice. Finishing must be important. And the other reason that we know Jesus' finishing is important is that in John's gospel, these were Jesus' last words. And, you know, we, we usually understand that someone's last words are pretty important words. And so these are important. It is finished. What's it mean? What's it mean? I want to suggest a few things. First of all, I think it is finished means that uh, God's plan is consummated. Uh, over the centuries, God finished his plan. Now, I know everyone in this room has made plans for something, and you feel like you've waited a long time for those plans to be carried out. There are children here who have planned all school year. That school is going to be out next month, and summer vacation will come, and for the child, that calendar seems to move so slowly. When will summer be here? When will school be out? Uh, there are preteens and teens who are uh, planning to be able to drive someday, and the calendar always seems to move slowly uh, to, to get to the age to drive. And, and uh, it, it's so special when you arrive there. You've waited so long, 15 years, 16 years. Some of you are waiting for uh, pay off the mortgage on the house. You know, it just takes so long and it seems like it's such a slog. And, and we wait a long time for things. Well, guess what? God waited throughout the ages from the beginning of human history to hear these words, it is finished. Because Ephesians 1 says that God has loved us from the foundation of the world. That God chose us from the foundation of the world. From, from the moment that he created us, and even in the midst of sin in the Garden of Eden, if you read the text carefully in Genesis 2, God says, we're going to fix this. Adam and Eve, you've sinned, but I've got a plan. And then through Abraham and the the patriarchs, God worked his plan through very imperfect families. And then his people went into slavery in Egypt for hundreds of years. And God says, I've still got a plan. And he raises up Moses to lead his people into the land. And he, he grows a people and a nation. And through the kings and even through their disobedience and through the message of the prophets, God does his work. And even through bitter exile, God pulls them back into his land. And finally... His son is born and lives. And even in the midst of being, uh, experiencing seeming defeat, there Jesus hangs on the cross and can finally say, it is finished. The Father's plans from all of history come, come down to this moment. All of the promises of God in Scripture come to full flower in Jesus in that moment. The grand epic of redemption finally reaches its climax in that moment. Jesus says, it is finished. There's a lot packed into that one single Greek word, tetelestai, that simple phrase, it is finished. I think secondly, that the phrase, it is finished, means that the sacrifice for sin has been made once and for all. Throughout John's Gospel, 
Jesus is known as the Passover lamb who was sacrificed for sin. The gospel opens that way in John chapter 1 as John the Baptist looks at him and says, Behold the Lamb of God who doesn't just forgive sin or cover it up, but it takes away the sins of the world. So that's his theme. Now, you've heard me say this. Every sermon I've preached in this series, John, the gospel writer, loves nuances uh, of metaphors and multiple meanings. There's a beautiful thing that only John's gospel has about this scene on the cross where Jesus is agonizing and dying. They offer him some sour wine as a sort of sedative, and the soldiers, the soldiers lift that sponge to Jesus' lips on a branch of hyssop. Hyssop is a, is a shrub or a bush, uh, and, and they, they used a limb or a branch of that. Now, what's so amazing is the way John goes back to the Exodus story and hooks something very important because when God was ready to lead his people out of Egyptian slavery, he gave his instruction to Moses that on that night of Passover, when the death angel would pass over, that's how Passover got its name, when the death angel would pass over, the death angel would know to pass over the homes, the houses that had the blood of the lamb smeared on the doorpost. The angel would know not to harm that home. The lamb's blood was sprinkled there to cover and to protect. Well, in Exodus 12, 22, the blood was sprinkled on the doorposts with a branch of hyssop. Jesus, the sacrificial lamb. Jesus, the Passover lamb. It's no accident that John mentions the hyssop branch. Here's the lamb. Have you stopped and thought lately how beautiful it is that Jesus has canceled our sin debt? That Jesus has paid for our sins, doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. I remember when Janet and I were first married, didn't have any furniture. Uh, We took out our first ever loan. Not the last, but our first ever loan. $38 a month, and I wondered how we were ever going to pay it back. But in a couple of years, we paid it back, and it was so fun to receive in the mail that stamped paid in full. It was so fun. Should have saved it. Maybe I have it somewhere. Paid in full. What a wonderful thing to know that Jesus has paid for our sins. And you may be here this morning, and you may be feeling very frustrated by guilt and shame, but you need to hear that Jesus has finished what you can't do by yourself. He paid for sin. You may be feeling very frustrated because you feel incomplete. You feel unfinished in your soul. You feel very unworthy. But Jesus does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. That's what faith is, to come to depend upon him, to receive him into your life, and to depend upon him to do what we cannot do for ourselves. We can't forgive ourselves. We can and should, but that's not enough. It never gets deep enough. It needs to go deeper and come from someone else. It is finished means that sacrifice for sin has been made. Jesus announced that loud and clear. There's another way that uh, I think we don't spend enough time talking about. It is finished means that Jesus completed everything the Father gave him to do. Jesus checked off the list. Throughout John's gospel, you hear him saying, I have my Father's work to do. I have this task to do. In Hebrews 3, in the the message translation, 
Scripture says, Jesus completed everything the Father asked him to do. He finished. So when he said, it is finished, he meant, I've done everything the Father asked me to do. You remember that famous verse from Hebrews 12 that we quote sometimes? Seeing we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with patience the race that's set before us. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He's the finisher. Jesus finished what he started. He was committed to do the Father's will. Do we finish what we start? You know, I think that's a theme that we have stopped hearing in churches today, especially evangelical churches, because we want so much to stress that salvation's by grace, not works. We can't earn our way to heaven, so we just back off and we act as if commitment to Christ and obedience to Him and finishing what we start as if those things are not important, but they are. The great author and uh, Christian thinker Dallas Willard was very, by temperament, very upbeat, very positive, very optimistic. Uh, He taught us so much about what it means to follow Jesus. An interviewer asked him one time, Dallas, is there anything that ever gets you down? Anything that ever discourages you? And I want to read to you what he said. He said, it bothers me that Christ followers require so much prompting. They require so much prompting to do God's work in the world. He went on to talk about how pastors have to beg people to use their spiritual gifts to further the kingdom. They have to beg people to read their Bibles. He said churches spend thousands of dollars showing videos to get people to care for the poor. Dallas shook his head and closed that section of the interview by saying, it shouldn't be this way. A Christ follower's motivation should come from within. Ouch, just a little bit, right? The motivation comes from within. We shouldn't have to be browbeat to follow Jesus and to do those things. So how about us this morning? Anybody here this morning given up on prayer because it didn't work the first time you ask? Maybe somebody here has given up on church. You still show up, but you've given up on church. Maybe somebody here this morning has uh, given up trying to get victory over some enslaving habit. A habit that keeps you from joy and Christian walk. Maybe somebody here this morning has just given up on using your spiritual gifts because things got tough one time and you got your feelings hurt. Maybe somebody here this morning has lost joy because you just feel like quitting. And maybe there's somebody here this morning who says, you know, I've done enough. It's somebody else's turn. It occurs to me that what we could all give up for Lent is giving up. Let's give up giving up for Lent. And let's keep on 
Let's be faithful the way Jesus was faithful. Let's finish. Jesus hanging from the cross cried out, It is finished. I've done it. I've obeyed. I've been faithful. And he did it for us. Let's bow our heads together. We invite you during this time of response, right where you are, to form your own prayer of confession, to open your heart, the door of your heart to something new. Perhaps by faith you'd open your heart's door today to, by faith, receive Jesus Christ into your life as personal Lord and Savior. It's great that he died for the sins of the world, but he died for your sins. It's great that he loves the world, but he loves you. He claims you this morning. We invite you to, by faith, ask the Lord Jesus into your life. And we'll be here at the front to pray with you if anybody wants to share that decision. Others want to join this church or come about a prayer matter. But also right where you stand during response time. The Lord may be just whispering to you and there are things that you can settle. And we invite you to do that because the response time is between you and God. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. And we want to be followers of Jesus. So guide us to be faithful through Christ. Amen.